Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we review the Eurovision finalists. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And usually, this is the podcast that revives songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, our listeners, vote on your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. But Matt, there's a Eurovision winner to be crowned between now and then. And this is the third of our special preview episodes looking at this year's Eurovision entries. So we hope that you've joined us for the first semi-final and the second semi-final. And this week we're going to be looking at the automatic finalists. The big five, so to speak. Big five. And it is just five because one of the big five is the host this year. So we've got 25 countries in the final 10 from each semi-final and then the five automatic finalists so we're going to get to that in a minute but first well we've got a bit more space in this episode (laughs) there's fewer songs that we need to discuss so let's have a look ahead to Turin So we are off to Turin for Eurovision 2022. It's been chosen as the host city the third time that Italy will have hosted. And the first time is kind of, you know, before our time, really. It was 1965. Um, It is available on YouTube, but, you know, it's not that well known. The second time in 1991 is considerably more famous (laughs) or maybe we should say infamous allora (laughs) (laughs) it was the chaotic year of Toto Cotugno and Gideone Cinquetti the two previous winners of Eurovision for Italy who were chosen to host in Rome in 1991 and yeah what a fateful choice that turned out to be it's funny you know because we obviously watched this, re-watched this in the Eurovision again. I don't know, what was it? That weird COVID bubble that we were in not too long ago. Um, the lockdown <laughs> situation <laughs> we're in. Uh, and and I just, it was so great to see new, you know, sort of fresh sort of eyes, younger fans uh, experiencing the absolute carnage that was that whole Eurovision. And it was, yeah, it was just so nice to see get to see what Italy might be this year <laughs> fingers crossed I don't it won't it can't be you know think, things went wrong and uh, I don't think they'll be that bad this year so but we are kind of a little bit of us kind of wants it to go a bit wrong a little bit maybe <laughs> it was in the time when I think you know the the organisation was much more in the hands of the national broadcaster now the EBU are heavily involved yeah. there's very much a format of what you need to produce there's you know a technical briefing for the host broadcaster before anything gets started and there's no way that this year is going to be as chaotic as 1991 was but there's a place in my heart for that 1991 final. Not least because it's the first Eurovision which I had a party for. I co-hosted a party with my friend Nico, who was one of the original Second Cherry team when we started in 2006. And we were both at university together and we co-hosted a Eurovision party 
and it was amazing. And that was the year that I went from a casual viewer of the contest to being a super fan. Massive homosexual. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give it away. (laughs) I should be able to come out on my own terms. (laughs) Starting with a Eurovision party. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember it being really fun. It was the the year I'd watched the previews, so I knew the songs and I knew what was going in and I really wanted France to win. And at the end of all of that chaotic voting and the complete under-rehearsedness of it, or if it had been rehearsed, then, you know, it was nobody gave a shit when it came <laughs> to actually delivering on the night. Um, and what else could it have ended in except for a tie? You know, the, the same number of points. I'm still not over Carola winning that. I know Carola's iconic to Eurovision, but my God, that French song was just gorgeous. It is beautiful. beautiful. That's the true winner of 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about your facts. I don't care about your figures. I don't care about your record books. And Mina is the one for me. <laughs> I tell you what, actually, Monty, as you've brought her up, should we give her a little play now? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Amina there, c'est le dernier qui a parlé qui a raison. And I'm the last one to have the last word on this, so she was the bloody winner! (laughs) No correspondence will be entered into. (laughs) Don't write in, thanks. (laughs) But let's have a look ahead. We're going to Turin. Um, I'm really excited to go to Turin. I mean, for me, it's the first time I've been to Eurovision since 2018. So, you know, I already had a year out because I couldn't afford to go in 2019 because I was buying the, the flat that we're sitting in now. And then, of course, COVID robbed us all of 2020 and 2021 was all but impossible to travel to. So this is the first time that we're going back and it's going to feel... Well, it's not quite going to be normal. I don't think all of the peripheral events are going to be on. don't think there's going to be a Euro Club. We don't know yet. I mean, we, you might by the time you're listening. Yeah. We don't at the time that we're recording this. Um, I think we're going to have to make a different kind of fun. But that, you know, makes for a new kind of contest. I think you can look at it one way. You can look at it as, you know, there are still COVID restrictions and we will understand why. And there may be things that are, you know, less slang than in recent years but um you're right we're gonna make our own fun you know um there's a lot to be said about people who are and aren't going to the contest this year and reasons why that is uh, your fan sites have a certain opinion on certain things and i think we're just like well ugh, so what like let's go we're going we've booked it actually tonight guys we actually booked our accommodation <laughs> and we just want to go and deliver i think the experience of Eurovision. And I think it's probably testament to Eurovision fans' general attitude of, well, let's just roll our sleeves up and go and make a bloody good time of it, regardless. It, no Euro Club? Fine, we'll make one. No, no press centre? Fine, we'll make one. Whatever, whatever it is, I think we should just go and have fun. And I, I think you guys, if you're still listening to our <laughs> podcast, 
you're going to see that we're going to because that's our plan right that's our plan is to go there and give you these little bit of eurovision postcards like postcards from turin about the experience going and uh we're gonna well we're gonna bear all maybe but you won't be able to see it because this is just audio there you go we just have to thank your lucky stars So yes, I mean, we it will be a different experience. You know, we'll not be physically in the press centre. Um, we have been lucky enough to get accreditation for the podcast, um, but only to the online site. So we will be able to get a flavour of what's going on. And what we hope to do is bring you a sense of what's going on in the ground in Turin. We're going to do regular podcasts from there. We'll bring you up to date with um, the, the whole fan experience, with what's going on in the city. And if there's any interesting tidbits, we shall bring them your way tits and bits and uh and if you think that me and monty aren't going to pull every bloody string that we've got going to try and get access or interviews or whatever we can you better buddy believe it that's what we're gonna do so yeah i'm quite excited about the content dare i say that word but yeah we're get, it's gonna be a good time and we're gonna we're gonna show you that through the medium of audio (laughs) (laughs) and of course although our usp is that we are almost a eurovision podcast and the main focus of second cherry is the national finals and the songs that didn't qualify for eurovision we're very excited to become more of an actual eurovision podcast for the little run-up to the contest as well because it's just too enticing to not make these podcasts. But people say to us, like, it's all great doing Second Cherry, but surely you should be doing Eurovision stuff as well. Um, and we're like, yeah, all right, well, if you want it, we'll, we'll do it. So that's what we're doing. I also just want to point out that... Mon- Tell us that you want it. Yeah, keep telling us. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to point out, Monty, um, this is the first time that me and you have gone to Eurovision together. It is, but not the first time we've been at Eurovision at the same time. No. But we didn't know each other then. Well, maybe we did. Well, we didn't, but we apparently met in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) There's photos of us at the same event, 2013. But yeah, and then you were there in 2016 and I wasn't. Well, I was there for the first week and I had to come back. So I had left by the time you got there. We were like ships in the night. We were. And then um, we were both in there in Lisbon in 2018 but that was before we really knew each other so this is the first time that we're going as pals as pals we're going to tear shit up as bosom buddies <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen as bosoms <laughs> and my buddy <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not even in Turin yet Monty. no should we get over the songs I think we probably should <laughs> Okay, so we're going to give you a rundown of the five songs that are qualified for the final. We don't have the running order for this, apart from Italy, which we know is drawn at song number nine, because they draw as a random uh, uh, running order position um, for fairness. Um, They're not going to be placed anywhere by the Italian hosts. They know where they're going to sing. And ninth is... I don't think it's a terrible place. I mean, I think they would have preferred to be coming somewhere near the end. But, you know, if you're going to be in the first half, 
that's an okay place to be. So we are going to hear about France, Germany, Italy, Spain and the United Kingdom. Let's kick off with France. It's Fulen by Alvan and Achez. So this is the second French entry that's going to be sung in Breton after the song in 1996, Diranit Bugale, we're getting our second song in Breton. And actually, I think that this means this is the first contest ever where none of the songs are being sung in French. Wait, hold on. Yeah, you're right. The first time we're not going to be hearing French song. I mean, I think we'll hear a bit of French from the presenters because, you know, the French aren't going to let that go. <laughs> but yeah, we're getting a new, uh, we're getting a different language. Uh, 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 we're getting Breton in the song here. And I think that the those kind of Breton and Celtic influences are really strong here. Mm. Also blended with the, the dance sound as well. There's a Canadian singer I like who's very, very obscure called Edith Butler. And she is Acadian, which is the descendants of the French settlers in Canada. But she's got that kind of Celtic root. And there's something about the sound of that that I can really hear in that. So really hear that kind of Celtic influence. I really like this. Um, I'm not sure about the performance in the French national final. I think it needs a bit of work for the Eurovision stage. But it's bringing a very unique energy this year. There's nothing else like this. And if you're going to respond to this you're going to respond and vote. So I think this could do quite well. Mm, I agree. I think it's got a disjointedness to it, which sometimes can be a bit jarring and, and you're not quite sure what you're watching. But I, I, I don't think that's the case with this. I think it really, it just makes sense for the type of song that it is. It kind of draws you in and you're not quite sure where you're sitting with it, but you, you like it anyway. Well, that's certainly how I felt about it. You know, it can't be sniffed at. This won a very strong national final. We'll come on to that for a French episode. But, you know, this was a very good national final, once again from France. And, you know, they won it. And, you know, different languages at Eurovision, that's kind of what we're all about, right? Um, I think this stands a good chance for doing quite well. I agree. Very much looking forward to that. So next up then, it's Germany. Malik Harris with the song Rock Stars. Restart and be who we are. We used to be the rock stars Who never thought of no heart Until this thing we could life stop dreaming I wish there was a way to go back dreaming Remembering it so hard When time is moving so far I wish there was a way to know that we're in The good old days before we all just leave them Now Monty, Malik for me has so much potential i think he's he's there's re- there's something here um clearly talented and he seems like just generally just really likable yeah really likable guy he comes across really well in interviews but if i'm being really honest this was the least beige song of a very beige national final 
I, I, I just don't know how else to say it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to clutch at positives. Um, Germany is doing a UK here by um, just middle of the road. And I fear for this badly. I fear for Malik because I think, as I said, he is he is a rock star. Well, maybe not rock, but he, he's, he's an absolute star and so much potential and talent. But we're not getting that here. I have to agree with that. Um, although I do quite like the song. Um, when I listen to it, it really grows on me. And I think it's got that interesting, um, you know, sort of rap spoken bit that builds a little bit like, you know, the kind of that rap bit in an Eminem song. It's got that feel to it. So there's, you know, there is a familiarity with that type of song for the audience. But I just, I, I, I feel the beigeness is there. And I think... I, I wonder if it's kind of the 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 impact of Gendrick. They sent a song which was taking a real risk last year, and it didn't pay off for them. You know, they 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 second last, third last, something like that. They were they did they they did badly. It just didn't work and translate at all. Um, and I wonder if maybe the German producers and to some extent the German audience are like we can't we can't send anything that's kind of risky or challenging you have to send a safe sounding song and therefore all the options were quite safe this year but there's something quite engaging about him um i do think he's much better than this song uh, and i wish we were getting something about that but yeah this i there is something that's drawing me into this um i don't know if it's an if i was a regular punter whether it would be enough to draw me in enough to pick up the phone and that's the danger that you know you're quite liked but you know you're not the one that people are picking up the phone for um and then you're doomed which would be a real shame for him but probably what the song's fate is going to be there was a lovely bit in the national final with his dad Yes. The, you know, the audience, the, the camera kept panning to him. And he was so enthusiastic and so, so unbelievably proud of his son. It was absolutely lovely to see that. Mm. You know, if they could capture that and somehow, you know, get an audience shot of his dad in the performance, then, you know, maybe you're talking because that was so, so powerful and so lovely to see. So what's next? It's Italy. Mahmoud and Blanco with Brividi, the San Remo winner. Brividi means shivers. Does this give you the brividi? It does. Again, it, it has grown on me a bit. And not, I mean, look, the first listen, I was like, I love it. It's my mood. You know, that that's kind of enough. Um, but it's grown even more. So it was always a sure thing for me. I thought, wow, this is, you know, it's Italy doing Italy again. Of course, top five easily. Um, and the more I listen to it, and the more I imagine what, 
we could get on stage with these guys. You know, Blanco might not be that known to a lot of Eurovision fans, but he's big in Italy. He's had, I remember I was following the Italian charts randomly uh, and his name keeps coming up. He's he's had number ones this, this year. Uh, he, he's a star and it's shown on this track. His voice is so good. It complements Mahmoud really well, actually. It's, it's, he's got a, a tighter vibrato. It's, it's kind of, they just, they blend quite well. The falsetto part of Brividi, the actual chorus, the Brividi, Brividi, that's, they have to work on that, I think, because that's where a falsetto is really tricky on a big stage. And because I'm not, I'm not a trained singer. I've had some training, but to have a, an open voice, like the, the way in which the sound of brevity comes out in a falsetto voice is quite tricky to control. So, I, and I feel like Mahmood especially can lose it from time. But look, you know, the guy would have sang it a million times since San Remo to the Eurovision stage. It's going to have a big glow up. And that's the point I want to make about the staging. Italy, mm, hit and miss when it comes to staging. But when you've got these two guys, you know, take their video for the song as an example, these sort of like Diamante glitter bikes and they're driving around, you know, riding around. I just wonder whether there's something really sort of a cool vibe that you can bring on stage that kind of echoes the song, but has that tendency, you know, that's that tender uh, moment to it. I just wonder about these guys. I wonder whether there's a real moment here, a real queer moment here, maybe. I like it. I think it's a beautiful song. There's something about the quality, particularly of Mahmoud's voice, that I absolutely love. It resonates really, really well. And I think it's an interesting contrast to put him with Blanco, who is, I think, a less experienced performer, um, but suits the bits that he's doing much better because he gets to do the sort of the little rap bit and um, it just blends really well. There's a real chemistry between them. People, particularly in the UK, often view Eurovision as something for has-been artists to do. Or it's kind of it's not something that you aspire to at the pinnacle of your career. And yet here from Italy, we've got two of its biggest, most relevant current stars absolutely seeing the Eurovision stage as being the right platform for their work. And I want to encourage more of this. I really, really, really want to see more contemporary artists seeing Eurovision as an aspirational thing to do. It would just fill my heart with joy, as this song does. There's something magical uh, about the emotion in this. And there's... There were elements in the, in the San Remo presentation where they were kind of sort of jostling a little bit on stage, but kind of like in a really playful, loving, endearing way. And I think there's, if they can get that, the essence of that on stage, that would just create some kind of magic. I think they have to remember that what they're not doing is going up on stage and doing a live performance that's being filmed. This is a performance that's for TV. And so your performance needs to work with the camera and it needs to work with the viewers at home. And I think if they can do that, and remember it's a very choreographed performance, however casual the choreography is made to look, 
that's what they need to get right. And I think that's a step change from what San Remo is, where essentially it's about a singer getting up there and doing their all. This is a TV performance and they have to connect in a different way. But this is absolutely up there for me. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the double. Mm-hmm. I think Sweden's snapping at their heels a little bit. Yeah. But this is by far the classiest song in this whole competition for me. And I absolutely adore it. Next up then is Spain with the song Slow Mo by Chanel. are going to have a Spanish episode. I think we can say that now. So we don't want to get too much into the national final. But there's so many talking points about this. Um, and I think I'll say now, for me, very, very strong national final. But Monty, Chanel, slow-mo, what are your thoughts? Booty hypnotic has to be the word of the year. <laughs> <laughs> we need it in place everywhere. It's the line of a song for me. This is, on the surface, a bit of a Fuego-like, you know, pop song. People will hate you for saying that, Monty, but you, you, you're right. You're damn right. Well, I think, it, I think it's reminiscent of Fuego for not just the musical reasons, but for the fact that on audio, you kind of go, okay, this is good. But what really makes it is that Chanel brings the Ferrera effect that elevates this song in performance to another level. And I'm absolutely here for this. The way that she danced, the way that she performed, the way that she kept the vocal, just brilliant. And we've seen her do the same routine several times now in, you know, the semi-final, the final, in various different promo shows. And she turns it on every single time. And I don't think that they need to deviate very much from that for Eurovision. I think it's absolutely oven ready to coin an awful phrase from our Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is, it's good to go. And I I think when, when it was first selected, we all kind of thought there's the risk that there are going to be several songs in this vein chosen and she's going to be struggling to stand out. And what we've ended up with is this is in a field of its own. You know, it's the only song that's really like that this this year. And it's such a well-performed version of it. I'm really excited about finally Spain getting the kind of result that it's deserved from so many songs and hasn't been able to pull off. You And I'm going to be devastated if she, if she bombs. I don't think she will bomb. No. But I'm going to be devastated for her, for the Spanish fans and for us if she doesn't live up to the hype. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk too much, but the, the, there's things that we're going to cover later down the line. Um, but you're absolutely right. I thought when this was selected, thinking, oh, I hope I hope this stands out from the other Fuego lights we're going to get and the other versions just didn't come. So it does stand out, you're right. 
And that's very much going to work for Spain in this instance. I Am I expecting one of their best finishes in recent years? Yeah, I am. And I know that we can get in our head that sometimes people aren't going to vote for Spain for whatever reason, I don't know. Prime example was uh, Pastor Soler. What the fuck? Why did she not, like, push Euphoria into second? I don't know. Anyway, I there might be something in why Spanish don't get the votes, but th- this is going to test that logic, I think, this year. So we'll see. I have to mention, I just... I absolutely die crying every time there's a dance break in the middle and she does this jump on the floor and then she kind of throws her, well, she pushes her fanny up in the air. And at that exact moment, there's a bit that goes, and it's it's like her fanny goes, and I love it. It just... If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, watch the the performance of the national final, and you'll you'll see it. It's when she gives the microphone. You're like, oh, the dance break is coming, and she does it. It's the moment she jumps on the floor and immediately, oh, and it, it's just, I love it. It just, please keep that in Spain because you'll just make me so happy. But that aside, joking aside, this is a great song, and I, I think, could it win Eurovision? Maybe. I think Maybe. it's a top tenner, definitely. Oh, oh, 100%. But I think it has the potential to be up there. So the last song that we are going to preview for you is our home entry, being Brit Boys. It's the United Kingdom. It's Sam Ryder with Space Man. I'm only human with the real world. Matt, I hadn't heard of Sam Ryder when he was announced. I didn't know anything of him. I didn't know anything of his 12 million TikTok followers. But you're you're a generation younger than me, just about. Just. And so you're you you're more of the age bracket for TikTok and you're quite a prolific user. So you did know him and you were aware of his work. Yeah, but not like when they said, you know, oh, Sam Ryder's, you know, um, could be announced as a UK act. I was like, cool, who's that? And then when I saw him, even when they announced, I was like, oh, that's Sam Ryder. Because you don't equate these guys, because, you know, on social media, you see so many of these um, Mm -hmm. people who have incredible voices. And yes, they do something a little bit quirky, like they sing like he does it. I think he did Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody or something like completely ridiculous out of any male vocal range. But he he does it. And so that's your, you get like a little bit of a USP on social media, right? That He was just that person to me. And when they announced him, I was like, hold on, this this makes a lot of sense. This guy can sing. Um, I wasn't aware of the song, even though it's been out for a while. And I know Scott Mills has been championing both Sam and Spaceman. Uh, for a while and playing it on his show which I never knew I thought that was really interesting that he did that I was surprised that the BBC went down this route and I'm 
and we have we've spoken to some people at the BBC and we're told uh, I don't think I'm betraying any confidence saying this I'm sorry if I am but we're told that of uh, the 12 million TikTok followers that he has around 30% are UK based so which obviously begs the question the next 70% of people who are potentially could vote for Sam if he pushes himself on his socials now you know, there's a lot of other Americans that can't vote and wouldn't vote. But I just wonder whether have the BBC found a way that they can get a good result at Eurovision, their way of doing it. I think this is a really interesting route to go down um, because I think that there has to be something in that amount of followers it's a staggering amount and it's not just on tiktok there's something like three million followers on instagram and i look just to see you know how many james newman had in comparison he had around sort of thirty-three thousand on instagram compared with sam's three million it lots of ways although sam has not found notoriety through the traditional music channels, this is a big artist. That level of following is huge. It's bigger than the following for, you know, Lady Gaga, for, you know, big, big names. Uh, um, Ed Sheeran, you know. Katy Perry. Katy Perry. He's, you know, his following is bigger than that. And obviously, you know, we don't know if that's going to translate into votes. But as you say, you know, there is that hope that... A lot of his followers are outside of the UK in countries that are eligible to vote. So you would hope that somebody who knows that artist then might be more inclined to vote because of the familiarity. And we do see that. If people are more familiar with an artist, they are more likely to vote for them because they're more likely to have heard the song as well. You mentioned earlier about Gendrick for Germany, who he doesn't have 12, you know, his TikTok, I just checked, there was 126,000. He has 30, 40, 50, whatever on Instagram, uh, 40,000 on Instagram. These are thousands. And obviously that did nothing for him. But 12 million, I, I suppose this is a real experiment of, you know, who who is voting, who, you know, does if Sam jumps on his TikTok and says, guys, just come, you know, literally sweating. Just come off the Eurovision stage. I need your votes. Come on, guys, vote for me. What impact is that going to have? Well, you have to mine that opportunity. You have to exploit it. You have to go for it. But even, you know, even just the fact that there are 12 million followers now that have potentially heard the UK Eurovision song. I mean, that's coverage that you can only dream of. I mean, you know... That's Radio 1 coverage and then some. Well, um, absolutely miles more. Uh, And across, you know, a geographical territory as well. You know, not just in the UK. I mean, that is way more than, say, the, the number of previews that the... The, the official videos have got on the, on the Eurovision YouTube channel, uh, way more people who potentially heard the song via that route than, you know, are going to hear it because they have an interest in, in Eurovision. Because there'll be loads of people who follow him that aren't Eurovision fans, but, you know, may now be, their interest may be piqued because this artist that they like is 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 going to be taking part. Now, I think we need to say something about the song yeah. because we're talking about the, the phenomenon around it. I, the song, I, it's not my favourite, but this is another grower. There's something about the swooping choruses and the 
the the whole feel of the song that is drawing me in. I don't think it it wouldn't necessarily normally be my type of song. Um, but he did a performance of it on the one show here in the UK. And actually, that was really good. You know, I think there is the potential to do something quite interesting on stage. And we know some of the, the uh, I know some of the team that's working on the stage design, Dan Shipton, um, a, a friend of mine who's working, you know, has worked on lots of Eurovision um, stage um, designs and presentations. So I'm really interested to see what they do with it. I don't think it needs bells and whistles. It needs to be quite simple and impactful, but I think there's a lot you can do with what the backdrop looks like or, you know, the way it's shot really really interested to hear this I think I'm going to say what everyone's thinking you know we know that there are team members who you know might have the vision do it but you know will the BBC scupper I just talk generally about the BBC because I, I, I genuinely don't know who it is that scuppers but bloody hell do we make some bad choices when it comes to staging obvious bad stage and so I just wonder where that comes from it's just a general question like how can we get it so badly uh, and have no early warning signs but this is a guy who as I'm told has a clear indication of what he wants to do on the Eurovision stage now he might want to bring two massive trumpets down by the side of him for fuck's sake but, but you know but there's something to be said for this guy saying I'm very clear on what I want to do I'm, and I think he's, you know, he's, he's been quite vocal about that. The BBC have money, you know, they can, you know, compared to other comparatively. They, and they, the record they, company, you know, BMG or the promoters of this, so they can throw things at it as well. And, and you know, and this is the key point about UK, whatever happens, whatever the shakedown of Eurovision this year, the next song that he releases after Eurovision is going to be big in terms of well, moneymaker. Let's, let's talk about it brutally. It's going to be a moneymaker because 12 million TikTok followers, it will get played at least 12 million times. <laughs> like, so I I think there's something here in the approach which is uh, pleasing me about the UK this year. My thoughts on the song is very much what you said. There's, there is actually a little bit of a formulaic quality, not like the Michael Rice, uh, Big Than Us formulaic that was so formulaic it was painful this is less so this has a bit of edge a little bit of edge i'm optimistic do i think it's a top 10 no do i think it's top 15 maybe i'm optimistic about this as well so i just need to correct myself because i said bmg earlier it's not it's tap music who are sorry um, yes (laughs) don't get that wrong i need to get that um (laughs) that right but no i'm i'm optimistic what i think is genius about this is that the bbc have pulled off this landing on the whole very well with fans there's been more positive response to this um on its announcement than I remember there being for any UK Eurovision song in recent years. So I think, you know, fair play to the BBC for doing that. And let's see, let's see what happens. But sorry, just a final point on the fact that last year, I was very vocal, I think my, I tweeted, (laughs) it got a bit of traction last year, but about how the the Radio 1 played um, James Newman at that time, and it was almost like reluctant. 
why am I, in fact, yeah, I said Greg James, his radio show, he actually said it. Why am I playing, I don't know why I'm playing this, but here's a UK act anyway. And you're like, oh, piss off, mate. Like, do it or don't. Like, give us the stage or don't. And this year, it a, a marked improvement, I must say, yeah. on response. And also that massive rallying cry from Scott Mills would blew me away. You know, here's the song. Oh, go on then, introduce it, Scott. Well, I bloody well will. Bang. And he did this rallying cry about why we should get behind him. And that, I was like, thank God, you finally did your bloody job, Scott Mills. And really... <laughs> cha- no, but you did, you know, championed... Yeah. But I also think that it was quite a masterstroke to try and get this out in the public eye and build it as a popular song that people were enjoying before then it added the Eurovision tag onto it. Yes. Because there's so much prejudice that comes with the Eurovision tag in the UK that if people knew this was the Eurovision song, they would take an instant dislike to it, often out of principle or out of, you know... Some Pavlovian response to what Eurovision songs are. I think it was a really good move to unshackle that Eurovision tag from the song whilst you were building awareness of the song in the audience's conscience. So we'll see what happens. That's the United Kingdom there with Sam Ryder and Spaceman. The home entry for us boys here at Second Cherry. So, Monty, that is the end of our special episodes and uh, well if people want to tell us how much they loved our special episodes <laughs> they can contact us uh, on Twitter at Second Cherry Instagram Second underscore Cherry on Facebook you can search Second Cherry Podcast and if they wanted to email us which we monitor daily thank you very much they can email us at hello at secondcherry.vision Hello at secondcherry.vision. That's dot vision, not dot com. Dot com is for losers. So there you go. We hope that you've enjoyed our preview episodes. As we said, we will be back with some pre-Eurovision podcasts from Turin, um, maybe in the lead up to, certainly on the ground while we're there. But also follow our socials because I feel like me and Monty are going to get a bit trigger happy and just do nonsense and just come and come and have a yeah vibe with us. It's going to be we're going to have a laugh. We're going to have a laugh. We are indeed. Thank you as ever for listening. And we'll be back with you soon. From or immediately prior to (laughs) Turin. Depending on how we get our act together in the lead up. (laughs) We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.